do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lackadaisical Libro Cuber Arrest. Welcome. This show. What the fuck is going on? This show is like a journal where I pour forth. All the things that I have input into my brain so they do not just sit up there and slowly drive me insaner. Huh? No, no, no. That's not good. It is, however, a show where we talk about five different sets of things in five five-minute segments. Five. Uh, that will start when I push a button. Why? What has happened to this beginning of this episode? Is it a sign of things to come for episode future? Mm. If so, this is a bad one. Or a very, very good one. I haven't decided yet. Not Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Input. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the <laughs> Jesus. Movie the first Short Circuit. Ah, this movie from the year 1986. Number five of a group of experimental robots in a lab is electrocuted. Suddenly becomes intelligent and escapes end of description yeah uh basically a robot through 1980s style magical lightning is granted sentience as will happen from time to time with 1980s style magical lightning uh this movie star starles starles ali sheedy uh the incomparable steve gutenberg uh, I will say one funny fact of this movie is that I did not know until I was in probably my 30s that uh, Ali Sheedy was not, uh, that he, uh, well, I, I shouldn't put it that way. I, I didn't know that the person in this movie who is seemingly from uh, India or Pakistan, I can't remember which, uh, I, I didn't know he was wearing makeup of, uh, you could describe as brown face, I suppose, is the technical term. I, I did not realize that. So, I feel dumb, and yet I mention it. Uh, 
realized also after a we uh, we watching, which is like a rewatching but smaller, uh, that. Uh, I, I can't believe I sort of forgot of this movie because so many things in it and uh, let's just go ahead and say Short Circuit 2 as well because I watched them back to back uh, hit me in the nostalgia buttons just in terms of things like all of a sudden watching and going holy shit I remember that uh, to the degree where I am fairly certain that this movie was heavily quoted by me in school, uh, I'm fairly certain. Which is strange, because it came out in 86. I guess maybe I saw it a few years later, that would explain it, because I was born in 81. So, <laughs> would a five-year-old uh, be quoting Johnny Five? Well, there's a certain logic to that, I suppose. Uh, yeah, so it's basically these two movies, very, very similar premises, just uh, the hijinks and low jinks of a sentient uh, formerly army robot. Yeah. Uh, in the second one, he goes to the city of New York. Uh, let me read the IMDA for that one. Uh, robot. Robot Johnny Five. <laughs> All one. Not Robot, comma Johnny Five. But no. Robot Johnny Five comes to the city. Just the... Not a specific one. I'm pretty sure it's New York. Comes to the city and gets manipulated by criminals who want him for their own purposes. Uh, again, who, the person who wrote the descriptions of these two movies, not great, I will say. Sometimes they're at the very least amusing. And this one is amusing in that it's like someone watched the first five minutes of each movie and wrote these. Uh, okay, so let's do ratings. Jeez, they're, they're, they're pretty bad. But so bad it's good, but uh, a lot of it is nostalgia. <coughs> Excuse me. Jeez, um, uh, let's go like 3-ish to 4-ish to 5-ish. I don't know what to give these movies, but they're bad. I, I, I will say the first one's definitely better. The second one is almost two hours long, and uh, after about an hour and a half, I thought it was done. Uh, like, I literally thought, oh, okay, well, the movie's probably about five minutes to go. And, and then I checked, and it was about a half hour to go. So you can, with the last movie, stop it with a half hour to go and still get full enjoyment. So, you know, take that with salt. Grains of it, no less. Uh, okay, I spent too long on that. Uh, moving on to The Astronaut Farmer. A NASA astronaut, Thornton. Billy Bob, uh, forced to retire years early so he could save his family farm, has never given up his dream of space travel, and looks to build his own rocket despite the government's threats to stop him. So, uh, so far our first three movies are sort of evil government folk trying to stop uh, good, uh, in one case robot, in this case astronaut. Uh, I thought this would be sort of a feel-good Sunday movie, but I never really got into it. Uh, Rating-wise, I, I feel like I gotta go two, which I don't give too many twos. Uh, it just didn't, uh, it didn't pull me in like I was hoping. Just a, a, a dumb PG uh, Sunday afternoon feel-good movie would. Uh, I never really got that vibe, so I was disappointed with it. So uh, I take a, take that extra mark off, sort of. Uh, okay, moving on to probably of all the movies, this is the best one of them, of this 
particular movie monologue. It is Spy Hard from 1996. Agent Dick Steele, a.k.a. WD-40. I guess that's like his 007, WD-40. I get it. Uh, is assigned by his director to stop the evil General Rancor from destroying the world. WD-40, Dick Steele, believed Rancor was dead, and he teams up with the hot KGB agent Veronica Urkinski to find Rancor and save the world. Yep. <laughs> Uh, stars none other than Leslie Nielsen, who, as far as I'm concerned, cannot, and has never been in a bad movie. Uh, friggin' love him. Uh, Andy Griffith plays the bad guy, which is in interesting. There will be a shit ton of people that you'll recognize in this movie from various other things. Oh, Ray Charles is a bus driver. Hulk Hogan, I don't really remember him. Uh, probably third or fourth viewing of this movie, if I had to guess, over the years. Uh, I just love Leslie Nielsen, and, and sometimes you can't watch A Lethal Weapon, you watch them too much, so you gotta take a break, and uh, you get a little spy heart in there. Uh, Rating-wise, solid four. Uh, I can't give it a five, because uh, I do like the Lethal Weapons. Lethal Weapons? <laughs> Naked Guns. <laughs> I am almost 100% positive that I've called Naked Guns Lethal Weapons and Lethal Weapons Naked Guns before. Uh, you know, that's a brain thing. That's my own issue, and I hope you will forgive me for it. Uh, last, but uh, maybe least, uh, also not good, uh, Skip Trace from 2016. I was looking for a fun little romp. Uh, you got your Jackie Chan. He's got a movie that just came out, so I thought I would go uh, typical sort of fun Jackie Chan movie I thought this would be. And there's elements of that, I suppose. Uh, his uh, comic foil in this is Johnny Knoxville. Uh, in this, like, uh, what was the, the Astronauts Farmer, whatever it's called... Uh, very, very similar in that, uh, I don't want to say I went in with high hopes, but I didn't go in with low hopes. I just went in with hopes of a certain type of movie. And uh, in both cases, I felt a little let down. So uh, in both cases, I'm going to give them two. Which, uh, if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, which I know you are because it's goddamn amazing, uh, you will know I don't throw twos very often, twos and ones. Uh, threes are, for me, enjoyed while watching, but wouldn't watch again. Uh, fours are enjoyed while watching and would watch again. Fives are, like, everyone should see this movie. Just uh, just everyone should watch this movie, period. Uh, twos are moments of enjoyment, which this did have, uh, but uh, I don't think it's worth a watch, and ones are just a void, period. Full stop. You know what? I don't think I've ever said that out loud. My sort of uh, rating theory. Uh, I should do something with that. My rating theory. My rating theorem. Mm. Television talk. Today's television talk sponsor is Scotsman Prophylactic. 99.999% not effective. Okay, uh, so as I do believe I promised last week, uh, we talked Samurai Jack Season 5 uh, vaguely. 
uh, and spoke of Samurai Jack sort of as a whole, sort of vaguely, just talked of it as a whole. Yeah, period, full stop. I don't know why I'm trying to explain it further. Uh, and then I said what we would do this week is talk Samurai Jack Season 5, the specific episodes, or, if you prefer, episode specifics, which I think makes more sense, so I prefer it, and I'm changing it to that. So... Uh, I did something I almost never do, and I wrote actual factual notes of each episode. Wow, really coming with guns ablazing this episode, just like Scaramouche did, but with whistling and the ability to whistle and sing and have his weapons fly around, right? Okay, so uh, the the first episode, uh, we we sort of catch up with Jack. It's been 50 years since the last episode. He's sort of down on the dumps, is how you could describe him. He's lost all hope, seemingly, of ever returning back to the past. Uh, in episode one, uh, he is once again, as his sort of life has become, attacked by somebody who wants to kill him. Because everyone wants to kill Samurai Jack because... He does good in the world, and the doers of bad want him out of the way, and have done so for a very, very long time. Uh, so uh, one such trying-to-kill-him dude uh, comes in the form of a man, man, robot man, uh, called Scaramouche. Scaramouche, will you do the Fandango? That's probably what that's from. Uh, he's sort of a uh, Sammy Davis Jr. voice type guy. Uh, almost like a bard from Dungeons and Dragons, you would call him, because he sort of uses music uh, in his fighting, uh, can go so far as to play instruments that then uh, cause his weapons to sort of fly around by themselves. Kind of a cool little uh, idea. Reminded me of Kung Fu Hustle a little bit in that regard. Uh, we also meet, uh, or start to learn of, I should say, girls... Uh, and I think maybe there's boys too, uh, little kids who are raised under this uh, evil Aku, uh, under a sort of cult of Aku to grow up and kill Samurai Jack, so we sort of start to see that story unfold as well. Uh, episode 2, uh, we finally see Aku. He's uh, bored. Yeah, he's spent these 50 years not really trying to uh, actively kill Samurai Jack, just sort of letting things flow by, letting things happen. And he's just sort of bored of life, which uh, is interesting to have your sort of ultimate evil uh, just sort of sitting around, being bored, like watching TV, not really doing anything. Uh, sort of a fascinating idea. Uh, so, uh, uh, okay, so uh, now we get the first fight with the daughters of Aku. Oh, okay, so yeah, I guess they were all girls. Uh, and he ends up uh, with a knife in his belly, basically near death. Um, and, and just as he does escape, he ends up uh, killing one of the dollars of a coup. Uh, and it's that moment he realizes they are not, like all previous things that have sought to kill him, uh, either uh, robots or, I believe in some cases, aliens. Things with, like, green blood like that. So it's basically the first time he's ever killed a human being. So uh, that, combined with a uh, dagger in the belly... Uh, cause him to go a little crazy, and, and that's sort of a theme throughout uh, a lot of this, is that he uh, is crazy. Like, he's he's grown a big beard. Uh, a lot of the time, he's not wearing clothes. He's just sort of, like, in his diaper running around. Uh, a bit of a madman, 
and uh, it's sort of sad to see him in the state of disrepair. Uh, okay, episode three, uh, Wounded Caveman Hiding, I've written here. Yeah, he, he does feel sort of like a caveman, like a hermit. Uh, he's having hallucina hallucinations of guilt, uh, slowly going crazy. Oh, yeah, we're not really paying attention to the timer today, I have found, because I'm having fun on this episode for some reason. I think it's because having in real actual life, or IRL if you prefer, uh, like an interesting day sort of uh, brain thoughts, uh, searching my brain for uh, why I feel certain way about certain things and really sort of exploring that in a psychological sort of way, which is very, very vague and crazy sounding, but it makes for a good podcasting, maybe? Question mark. Uh, he spends time in the, cave with a, in the cave with a wolf who sort of takes care of him. I don't remember if we really saw why that happened. Like, is it just a random wolf? He does seemingly, in a lot of the episodes, have the ability, I guess you could say, not to talk to animals, but animals seemingly come to his aid, uh, and he'll just sort of thank them. So that, that's kind of cool, and, and a theme throughout, so I guess that's what's happening here. Uh, okay, so episode four, uh, there's a one remaining daughter of Aku, uh, because he... It, and was almost forced, not almost was forced, was forced to kill the others, uh, was feeling guilt, then realized something his father told him, that if you give people every opportunity to stop what they're doing to harm you or others, and they simply refuse, uh, you should not feel guilty, it was their choice, uh, you have to stop them. That, that, that sort of idea, it's, that's kind of a cool idea. Uh, so he... Uh, with the exception of this last girl, uh, uh, kills the other, and, and that's something that they, that we talked of in the first part of this, uh, or talk of season five of the show, is that definitely this is much darker than the first four seasons. Uh, took a dark turn, you might say. Um, so, uh, him and the remaining daughter are swallowed by an enormous city-sized creature, uh, where she continues to try to kill him, uh, even though he eventually ties her up uh, so he can help her uh, escape, uh, like the two of them, to escape from this giant creature. Uh, eventually they do. Oh, uh, this was a really cool part. So cool that I made a note of it. Uh, they So they escape eventually and end up on this little island. Uh, Jack is sort of, like, exhausted. He's just sort of over it, which, again, is sort of, in general, his... Uh, feeling through a lot of these episodes. He's just done. He's done in, man. We've all been there, I think. Uh, maybe some of the feeling I had today was was a little of that. Just enough. <sighs> hmm. uh, so uh, uh, the girl, Ashy, uh, sees this and then starts to sort of sneak up beside him. Uh, beh <coughs> sorry, behind him in order to take him out, to kill him. She hasn't learned her lesson. Uh, it's then that a ladybug sort of just lands on his finger, and she sort of has a flashback of being trained uh, as a youth where uh, her mother, uh, the mother of a coup, I guess you would say, uh, or at least the birther of the daughter of a coup, uh, saw a, uh, a butterfly or a ladybug and, and 
like crushed it between her fingers and said, this will distract you from the task at hand. And it, it sort of stuck with her. So then when she sees Jack uh, with a uh, ladybug and he, instead of crushing it, just sort of smiles at it and lets it fly away. Uh, that sort of hits her more than all his words have previously. So very, very cool idea. Uh, okay, so... Uh, episode 5, halfway there. Uh, this one has the Scotsman. Ah, yes, the Scotsman. One of the much-beloved characters of the first four season. Uh, in the initial sequence of this episode, he's an old man in a wheelchair. Uh, him and his many, 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 many daughters uh, are going to uh, fight a coup. And uh, in the battle, he, he dies. <clears throat> and I will say that uh, I did shed a tear. It was a manly Scottish tear. Being, you know, Scottish and a Scotsman dying, I suppose. Uh, but uh, quickly, he's sort of back to life. <laughs> this is one thing I remember, and I, I wrote it down here, too. I literally, when he came back, he, he's like a ghost. Uh, he comes back as a ghost because of, you know, Scottish magic. <laughs> they don't really explain it. I think they literally say Scottish magic. Uh, I literally clapped my hands like a little kid <laughs> when, when he came back to life. Like a little kid who's about to get a, a, a lollipop would clap his hands. Uh, so uh, that's how sort of invested I became in this show. Uh, so uh, uh, da, 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 uh, with Jack and uh, uh, Ashy. Yeah, Ashy. Uh, they enter a city. I won't go into details, but he... Uh, ends up thinking he kills a bunch of kids, basically. Jesus, it gets dark. Uh, this sort of sets him over the edge in terms of his, his insanity and hallucinations and visions. Uh, and it's it's just sort of his lowest part and uh, point, and he just gives up on life, basically. Uh, in episode 6, uh, we spend... All of it up until the very end uh, with just Ashy searching for where Jack sort of went off to in this deep uh, depression. Sort of a, a, a almost had a clip show feel a little bit. Uh, not a bad way necessarily. It was more like nostalgic than anything. So uh, I think uh, I think it was a cool thing. Uh, the, the, the clips involved Ashy coming across people who had Jack had saved over the years. Uh, and all of them saying, uh, if Jack needs help, uh, just let us know and we'll come. Uh, that sort of thing. So very, very heartwarming. I, I, I like that episode. Uh, he, uh, Ashy eventually comes across Jack, finds him in a cemetery where he's about to commit ritualistic suicide. Jesus Christ. Saying all this out loud really makes me realize how dark this thing got. Um, she luckily stops him. But it's then that they decide that uh, Jack needs his sword back in order to finish off a coup. Uh, yeah, he lost his sword. Uh, he he hadn't had it up until this point. Up until this point, uh, this is episode cool as well. Uh, just in terms of, for the most part, it's just Jack sitting on a cliff face, meditating. Uh, so most of his episodes actually taking place uh, in, in inside his mind. Uh, whereas Ashy is, in the real world, uh, trying to protect him from, at one point, an entire army that she takes down. That was a cool sequence. Basically, one girl versus an entire army. I like that. Uh, next one, uh, prison spaceship crashed in desert. 
uh, Jack and Ashy barely manage to defeat a super powerful slug being thing and both see each other naked. They kiss. <laughs> they kiss. They kiss. Hashtag love, I have written. Uh, yeah, so this is sort of the idea that trials and tribulations can bring people together. Um, it's quite often in movies and things like that where people, maybe they don't like each other, maybe they're just indifferent, but they go through a very trying situation and come out at the end and find that they are now in love. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Jack and Ashy love brewing are attacked by a coup who thinks he is swordless. Oh yeah, that was another sort of cool thing. So that Scaramooch from the beginning has sort of spent all of these episodes uh, traveling to get to a coup's sort of uh, base in order to tell him that Jack didn't have his sword. So uh, the reason that was cool is it always felt there was sort of like a countdown in the background. A countdown in the background! A countdown in the background. I'm gonna type that out. A countdown. A countdown in the background. Sounds like a song. Might be in the title of this episode. You will know. I will not yet. A countdown in the background of. Oh, now I can't get it in my head. What is going on? What is happening? of uh, Scaramooch uh, ending up with Aku telling him the sword uh, is gone and then Aku sort of uh, trying to kill Jack because the only thing that can hurt Aku is Jack's sword just period uh, so uh, he Jack does have his sword back by this point so obviously uh, Aku not too happy with Scaramooch immediately vaporizes him as you do uh, it's then that they fight but mid-fight, uh, Aku smells... Yeah, I think it was smells. Uh, his taint. <laughs> smells his taint. It's then when he smells his taint. Oh my god. Oh, Jesus Christ. When Aku smells the taint of Aku <laughs> uh, on Ashi, she was created sort of using his essence, uh, is how you could look at it, through some sort of magical birthing process. So that evil of Aku is sort of within her being, is how you could look at it, his taint that he smells. <laughs> uh, so uh, he's able to, Aku's able to manipulate that taint. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, he's able to manipulate his taint <laughs> within Ashi uh, to corrupt her to his will, to where she's just sort of a mindless automaton, um, which is horrible for Jack for the reason that normally when Aku sends bad guys after him, he just, you know, kills them. They're, they're robots or they're aliens or they're whatever. He just kills them. But here he has within the thing trying to kill him someone he loves. Uh, has grown to love so how does he stop that uh he doesn't he literally gives up he says okay i give up here's my sword just you know i give up uh that was fucked up i didn't see that coming so uh the last episode episode 10 uh jack is captured uh his sword also sort of locked up uh and aku is going to kill him uh he decides last minute uh that he's gonna have in you know, a sort of fit of poetic irony have his uh quote-unquote daughter ashy uh kill 
uh, Jack in front of the world, sort of on television, broadcast everywhere. Uh, this is when uh, my heart gets very, very warmed by the fact that all the people Jack had saved over the years uh, show up and try to save him. Try, I should say, because nothing can defeat Aku except for Jack's sword. Uh, that fact means that they're basically coming and being killed and doing nothing but distracting uh, Aku for a time. Uh, luckily, that time is enough for uh, Ashy and Jack to fight back the taint within her. Um, she is sort of barely able to take retake control of her body. Uh, in doing so... Uh, they do defeat Aku. Yay, sort of. They don't actually do it there so much as uh, Ashi realizes she has all the powers of Aku, including the ability to time travel. So, uh, they are uh, flung back into time by Ashi in order to defeat, defeat Aku right back where episode one started. <sighs> and they do so. So that's it. Aku dead. Everyone's happy. Uh, they have a wedding ceremony. Uh, it's all going to be so good. Okay, so now let me just say, if you like happy endings, stop listening to this now. Because your heart is going to be pulled out. And if, like me, you become as attached to Jack as I have been over the many years I have watched the show... Uh, you will lose your shit like a little baby and cry your goddamn eyes out. Because if Aku died in the past, that means he never made it to the future, which means that the essence that birthed Ashi never existed, so she did not exist. So, during the ceremony, as they were about to get married, she sort of realizes this fact uh, and disappears into non-existence. Uh, and I was shocked, shocked. There's, there's magic and sci-fi and fucking tons of reasons they could have explained, uh, why this didn't happen, but it does. And, and you think momentarily that, uh, she's going to pop back into existence for some unexplained reason. Maybe a magic fucking dead Scotsman comes and brings her back to life. I don't know. Something, something, but... Nothing happens, and it's horrible, and makes me sad just thinking about it right now. So, uh, that's very not good. Um, the final thing I want to say about the final episode is, uh, and I mention it in the description of this episode, at least I plan to, I'm going to make a note to do so, uh, that the absolute final scene of this series, uh, and the final scene of the series Mad Men, are basically identical uh so much so that i actually took a clip from the final series the final uh, the final scene of samurai jack season five and took a clip from the final scene of uh, mad men uh and put them side by side and you will be eerily break down to the 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 frown turning into a smirk uh, it just, it, it will boggle your mind the similarities that they have. And uh, I can't be the only one to see this, but I do assume <laughs> I am the only one to take clips from both and put them side by side and put them on YouTube. I do assume that. Uh, so uh, I hope you enjoy that. Okay, fuck, man, I spent more time on this television talk than I think I ever have, but 
Uh, really, it hit me, so, you know, there. Today's book banter is Grafo Manicurists. Thank you for that. Okay, uh, again, uh, if you are the longtime listener that I know and love, <laughs> uh, you'll know I said uh, in last episode where we read the backstories of all the D&D characters in the one shot I played on Halloween, this time I was going to read the uh, recap of the, uh, the the story that unfolded from said session. And away we go. Uh, first of all, uh, the title of the session came from the DM, Mr. Alex, and it was Death Cold Doom. Uh, apparently it was from a module, which he told me the name, and I forgot to write it down, um, but uh, it was something from a module. I don't, don't know exactly what it was. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Hand... Of Grafo. A family heirloom so priceless that Lord Rolst had spent years, fortunes, and even lives to obtain it. Can our three adventurers succeed in climbing to the summit of this mound of death and find within its depths the lost relic? Anything is possible. Uh, Maoki the Sturdy, Caleb Winter, and Jane Allgood almost immediately start to reconsider their mission as they are assailed by harsh weather, creepy non-normal deer, and Zeke the Hermit, who wants that, who warns that certain doom awaits them if they proceed. Zeke also gave Caleb a late night knife-wielding ghostly psychic shock thing, which was not very nice. Roll for poop. Okay. Uh, traveling through a petrified graveyard is petrifying. Our adventurers reach and explore a seemingly recently abandoned building where probably the strangest thing that they find is a large portrait somehow depicting each of the adventurers in front of the PB&J of creepiness that is an altar and a giant skeleton. A Trapdoor means going down into the earth and going down. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, a trapdoor means going down into the earth, and going down into the earth means a dungeon, and a dungeon means a list of things that happen in the dungeon. One, a horrible fetid breath that permeates the air as its pulsing moistness flows back and forth, leaving a slick dampness on everything. Faces melded with the very walls that seem to follow light. A series of tables with skeletal hands. A church complete with organ, altar, and tooth-filled basins. After much fumbling and bumbling, our adventurers realize that apparently this is a church to the Tooth Fairy. And that in order to open the magically locked door, they have to sacrifice their own teeth. They do so in three different ways. Caleb does it the smart way, using some pliers found in a torture room. Maoki does it in a less smart way, by punching himself in the face. Jane does what she thinks is a smart way, 
but was the dumbest way and ties a string to a tooth and the other end to a doorknob and slams the door shut, but does not realize she accidentally tied the string to two teeth. So now has a backup sacrificial tooth just in case. Four. Uh, three doors force our party to split up into separate crypts, wherein Mayoki, Mayoki gets a fancy toe ring and is forced to sacrifice his lamp and therefore his sight, due to pitch blackness, when a giant thing attacks him. Caleb is run down by a ghost bull. Jane gets the first attack of the game, but does it count when you're... Hit E disappears. Finding the source of the breath, a giant hole, Mayoki decides to throw to grow twice his size and plug it. Shit. <clears throat> uh, finding the and plug it with his enormous stone body. Oh yeah, he was a golem. And when that does not work, Caleb sends his aptly named falcon. Falcon down the hole only to return hours later having never found the bottom. Jane was very tempted to jump in just to see what happens. Six or seven? <clears throat> Don't know. Hypnotic hole plus cursed spider bites equals disadvantage on all rolls going forward for Caleb. Oh yeah, that wasn't fun. <clears throat> uh, gorillas make good meat shields so when jane found herself knocked down by one of many undead she decided it was gorilla time and with the help of heals and buffs from both caleb and moake they decided there were they waded their way through much undead crypts and tombs and coffins and sarcophagi oh my <clears throat> having looted and searched and killed their way through two levels of this undead nightmare Mayoki, I could never get his name right, <laughs> is eventually trapped in a room with a vampire. Fortunately slash unfortunately, this vampire needs help to leave this crypt he has been trapped in for centuries. And this is where shit truly goes off the rails. One, the vampire asks for a magically sealed oath to complete the task of taking him out of there to the nearest village. Two, Caleb agrees in quotes to take the oath but you cannot trick a trickster so when the vampire figures out that there was an attempt at deception he calls forth an undead horde in the thousands three jane may not be the sharpest knife in the hand-shaped altar but she quickly sees how things are going, so chugs a potion of gaseous form and makes like a firebolg druid and turns into a gas and escapes. Oh yeah, she was a furblog, furbolg druid. Uh, four, in an act of unflagging will, Molokai also refuses to take the oath. However, he is not so lucky in his attempt to escape and ends up being taken down, both by the swarm as well as a mummy he inadvertently awoke. Uh, I've written here, first time death for both player and DM. <laughs> Uh, when all is said and done and the dust has settled, Molokai has perished. Jane has fled back to the jungles to be with her monkey parents. <laughs> Long story. Uh, oh yeah, if you read the backstory, if you listen to the episode with the backstory, that'll make 
Makes sense. And Caleb looks on as Lord Rolst and his vampire buddy ride off into the moonlight with a band of horsemen of a seemingly apocalyptic variety. We did it? Question mark? Today's game, Gavin sponsor is the Red Pill Bar and Grill. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, gonna be talking a VR game? Question mark? No, not really a game. I would say so much as a thing to experience, which with VR seemingly is a lot of what I have done. Uh, I don't begrudge that. Uh, you probably buying VR just to play games. Uh, you might be disappointed. I mean, there's games out there, and a lot of things I've done have game-like qualities to them. But uh, I almost feel like underlying uh, the word experiences almost does it more justice. Uh, it's sort of a bigger word in a lot of terms uh, than just playing a game. Play if you're just playing a game, you're just playing a game. Whereas if you're experiencing a game, if you're experiencing strange and incredible things that you've never seen before in your life... Uh, that's a little better, is it not? Question mark. Things such as VR chat. Uh, okay, so came about this watching uh, Normal Difficulty on Twitch, who I highly recommend. Super, super funny dude. Uh, if, oh, let's, let's mention this every time. If you're a long-time listener of the podcast, and I know you are, uh, since episode one-ish, way back in 2012, I have spoken of uh, Normal Difficulty, uh, probably mostly from youtube but uh he's, he's he's more on twitch now and often than he is on youtube uh, uh so when i saw him playing this and the insanity that ensued uh i knew oh man i gotta try this thing uh how to explain vr chat well you're in vr and picture a chat room but uh, you are in an avatar of your choosing. Uh, and that's probably where a lot of the craziness uh, ensues. I should have made a list of some of the insane things that I saw while in VR chat. And I do plan to go back because I love this uh, level of insanity. There, there's, I, I posted some clips on my Twitch or you could watch my full experience there, uh, in fact. So why not check that out? It's uh, If you go into Twitch and search, you guessed it, LibroCube, uh, you could see that. Uh, the day after... Just let me give you one example that's right at the front of my mind. Uh, the day after all the stuff about Kevin Spacey came out, there was uh, someone with the avatar of Kevin Spacey right in front of me. And it was eerily accurate I, I think it must have come from that video game uh what video game was he in someone must have took the sort of art from that uh and then put it in this i've uh primarily i just have sort of the default ones the the, the default avatars that anyone could be uh i stuck for the most part in the body of a leprechaun because that's fun because i can make the sound uh 
And I like to do that. So uh, running around uh, fellow VR people making that sound gave me some glee. Uh, being chased uh, for me pot of gold, <laughs> as people were saying, uh, gave me some glee as well. Uh, a dance party with a bunch of anime characters, uh, Simpsons characters, uh, Rick and Morty, uh, just insane things looking around and, and, and seeing a, a 20 foot tall girl with legs uh, cartwheeling around as she floats through the air. Just some of the insane visuals that you will see in this VR chat. Uh, something interesting of this as well, which I didn't realize uh, right off the bat, is you can play this whether you have VR or not. I would assume uh, that to play this in VR is totally a different experience than just to play it uh, sort of while watching it on a screen. Uh, I, I think you can get a taste by watching someone play it on a screen, but as with a lot of things in VR, you really have to experience for yourself to get the full depth of, of craziness that is VR chat. Uh, please join me in it. Uh, would love to meet some people in there. Hey, why not? Let's do it. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is the Peekaboob Strip Club. Thank you for that sponsorship. Item first, Funhouse, F-U-N-H-A-U-S. Follow them on YouTube. Do yourself a goddamn favor, as I like to say whenever I bring them up, which is on a fairly regular basis, that they are the only YouTube channel where I watch every single thing they post. With almost no exception. Uh, I, I listen to the podcast. I don't watch it on YouTube. Hey, there's an exception. Uh, they've recently been having a, a couple of uh, new game type things that they've been doing that I uh, thought would uh, be cool to bring back. Uh, two hide-and-seek type games I have written in my notes. Uh, one is... It's like in a high school where you're like a floating, invisible disembodied skeleton head I guess and uh, there's another floating disembodied skeleton head also sort of flying around and you're picking things up and bringing them places this is sort of boiling it down uh, you can't see the other person like you're playing against another person I should say uh, you can't see that other person as they're invisible but you can see if they sort of pick something up uh, or if they like open a door you can see the door open uh, and the object of the game is to pick those things up and put them on altars. Basically, they're orbs. Yeah, pick up orbs, put them on altars. Uh, while you're doing that, though, the other person can see you moving about. So what they can do is scare you. Uh, and what that means is uh, you'll suddenly see on your screen uh, uh, the manifestation of the invisible uh, floating skeleton face jump into your face and scream really loud and scare the shit out of you. Uh, in some cases, I think maybe literally. Uh, so that game's fun. Any any game where the possibility of the players screaming in fear 
is fun to watch, just period. Uh, the next one, lesser in terms of those screams of terror, but still some screams uh, nonetheless, where uh, it takes place in, oh shit, what's it called? Gary's Mod? Uh, Gary's Mod, which is the first thing I ever bought on Steam way back, 10 years ago actually, uh, 10 plus years ago, because I finally got my 10 year bash in uh, in the Steam store or in, on my profile. Profile. Why are all my words coming out weird? I think because I've talked longer in this episode than I have in any episode in a very, very long time. Uh, anyways, uh, so it's made with Gary's Mod, and it's basically hide-and-seek where there'll be teams trying to find one another within crowds. Uh, so, like, a team of three will be wandering through a, a crowd, sort of trying to act normally... Um, you can hide behind things, but then maybe you look a little weird. Like, why would this uh, person in this crowd be hiding there? Uh, and then the other team's trying to kill you. <laughs> As you do in video games. Uh, okay, so moving on to that chick Parker on Twitch. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'll, I'll sort of, when looking for people to follow on Twitch... Uh, some of my go-tos have been people playing PUBG, just because I find that so fun to watch. Uh, and, and then I like girls. <laughs> not not just for the obvious reasons, but uh, quite often they talk about more interesting things. Uh, included in the talking of more interesting things is that chick Parker on Twitch. Uh, her uh, stream, just incredible. Uh, I've used my uh, once monthly Amazon Prime uh, to subscribe to her channel. Uh, I even gave her a do donation, just uh, loved her channel so much. Uh, basically, she does things that your quote-unquote average channel doesn't do, I find. Uh, for example, uh, streams once, uh, it was, God, it had to be close to 24 hours. Like, I was watching her, uh, chatting... Uh, she's very interactive with the people in her chat room. Um, I went to bed. I woke up. She was still going. <laughs> it just sort of boggled my mind uh, that that she had that within her. Uh, she'll quite often be singing. She's got a beautiful voice. Uh, adorable in general. But what really hooked me, what really got my subscription, was the fact that she will uh, read. <laughs> Uh, if you are unfamiliar uh, with my love of reading, well, you're not that aforementioned long-time listener. Uh, this, uh, this podcast is called The Libro Cube, uh, as it was formerly called The Lackadaisical Libro Cubicalist, which is, uh, well, lackadaisical, you know what that means, but uh, Libro Cubicalist is someone who reads in bed. Uh, I went to school for... Uh, the Library Sciences. Uh, I read, used to be book a week. I, I think I'm down lately. Uh, just I have a tremendous love of reading. So when I heard uh, her talk about on her stream how she was uh, later going to read a book <laughs> for the stream, uh, I, I just like fell in love a little bit. So uh, she has won a place in my heart and I hope yours if you go uh, check it out. Uh, okay, so what do we have? Uh, Polygon, the McElroys. Oh yeah, the McElroys. Uh, so, uh, if you are a podcast listener, you probably will know of the McElroys. Uh, if not, check out the Adventure Zone, My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, innumerable... They've got their fingers in a lot of podcast pies, let's just say. 
Uh, so, when I was searching for new channels to subscribe to on YouTube, since uh, I unsubscribed to PewDiePie, and I just did it, yeah. Uh, you know what, after all his shit happened, uh, the, the N-word thing sort of really threw me for a loop. I, I, I will admit I didn't immediately unsubscribe. Uh, I immediately stopped watching his videos. Uh, and then I sort of realized that I, I didn't think this would be a thing where I would one day be able to say, okay, I'll watch videos again. I, I just found, like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't able to consider enjoying his stuff as I used to. So that, that kind of hit me hard, uh, and I really didn't like it. So there's that. I didn't plan on talking about that, but hey, in this particular episode, somehow, some way, we're really flowing more than normal. Uh, this may be, and I may make this the title, my favorite episode yet, just in terms of the flows and the ebbs and the letting things fly as they might. Uh, I, I notice I'm almost at an hour. Uh, normally this should be five, five-minute segments, so I'm really taking my time today. Uh, oh, well, you know what? I, I feel like I need it. Uh, a lot a lot of shit going on. Uh, IRL that uh, is sort of getting me wanting to talk like this uh, a little more uh, emotionally, a little more in-depth than I have in the past, uh, both in real life and maybe on the podcast. We'll see. Uh, maybe this will get a response, uh, you know, 428-plus episodes in. i, I got to assume my... Uh, listenership is not exactly uh, growing exponentially, uh, but uh, you never know. Uh, you know. I put this out here more for myself, really, uh, and I often say this, that I do the podcast more for myself, more for my own brain, more as a sort of pressure valve to let things out, so why not let it flow how I want, uh, with always the hope that uh, people listen and get engaged, but uh, if it doesn't not being too upset about that either, right? Right. Uh, yes, the McElroys on uh, Polygon is the name of the YouTube channel. Um, it was sort of video game slash comedy focused, and, and that seemingly really hits my like button. Uh, the combination of video game stuff and comedy stuff. Uh, Funhouse, uh, Rev3, I fucking loved Rev3. G4 was... Uh, specifically Attack of the Show, I should say. Uh, Attack of the Show, when that went off the air, that's when I canceled my cable. That was the only, uh, that was the only show that I needed cable for was Attack of the Show. So, uh, when I saw, uh, that this was a comedy video game related YouTube channel that also had the goddamn McElroys come on from time to time, I was delighted and immediately subscribed and have been very happy I have done so. Uh, so, uh, their specific McElroy content, which they have lots of stuff, but, uh, I just sort of brought this back to combine, uh, podcast and, uh, YouTube into one gooey, delicious mess, is, uh, one called Monster Factory. Basically, they go into character creation of various video games and create monsters, just disgusting messes of humanity. Humanity, perhaps, not even not even humanity it's disgusting uh and, and then uh to put a little neat little bow on everything uh a lot of the things we've talked about in this internet 
intercourse uh their other show let's call it it's called awful squad uh they'll play uh pub and uh i love funny people playing pub so i love watching people play pub i love funny people you know you know but you put them both together and what do you get that that awful squad you know what i've just realized i should uh, i assume they they're on twitch as well i should i should check all right, folks, so, uh, really, this has been an interesting episode. Um, uh, I don't know why I felt the need to get so much, uh, I, I suppose I didn't really go into specifics. Uh, you know what I could say? Uh, I'm not really adverse to going into specifics of, of brain-type things. Like, I've talked about depression. Uh, I've talked about being hospitalized for depression. It's just I... Like, do I need to? Like, would it would it would it be helpful? Would someone want to hear that, or is it just uh, me talking to the winds, as they were? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, so, so, like, I I feel in this episode I said things uh, I didn't get specific about some of the, the the thoughts and brain things that happened today. Um, they're not bad things. They're sort of realizations, uh, insights. Uh, ways that I feel that I think are not good, ways that I feel that I think are not normal compared to how other things feel. I should say, uh, on the note of all of that, that these are thoughts and feelings that I've shared with the missus. Uh, we have a very open relationship, probably more than a normal couple does. I literally tell her everything like to a freakish degree to a degree that is perhaps not healthy <laughs> no I, I, can you tell too much i i, I don't know uh, i i, I kind of feel like I, I don't think again like uh, never lie uh literally tell her everything to an insane degree and uh, to be able to do so is is very important to at least someone it, it doesn't have to be your significant other as long as you could pay the person, could be in the form of a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever you want. As long as you have someone in your life that you don't have to lie about anything at all to, uh, I think that's incredibly important. Especially if, like me, you have had, as I call them, brain things over the years where uh, you need that release of the pressure valve like this podcast is for example folks really got goddamn deep and i think this has made it to my favorite episode ever i like it what else do i like you you know why <laughs> you know why because it's nice to be nice to be nice This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think.
shine Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper.